John Conan, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, 100%. I have a list of people that I want to interview. And uh, you've been on my list for, for a long time. And I'm glad that we finally connected and, and found the time. So John, you and I first met, oh my gosh, like two and a half years ago, it was, I think like right, like a month or two before the whole world changed, you know, with COVID, uh, I was up at um, speaking yeah. at the Montana Principals Association at this really cool kind of resort, like indoor water slide, natural hot springs. I forget the name of it. It was like 90 minutes outside Bozeman. Uh, we had connected ahead of time. Uh, we had dinner at this really cool restaurant. Ah, you'll, you, you know, the name of the downtown, this old, like silver mining town. Like it was like one of those bars. It used to be a bar, but now the restaurant, if like the walls could talk, there used to be like gunslingers in that bar, you know? Right. I think it had like the cool kind of energy about it. And then I put out who wants to get up and run with me in the morning. We were not going to run out outside because it was like 10 or 15 degrees but you said i'm in and we woke up like at five in the morning and uh ran a few miles on the treadmill before the event started so um we got to hang out in person again but uh you're you're a second year superintendent in corvallis school district number one in montana john john tell us about yourself tell everybody who you are what you've done what's going on tell people the name of that cool town in montana so they can go visit if they want Sure. Thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, that awesome little town's called Anaconda, Montana. And That's it's right. a town that used to have a huge smelter, um, copper mine close by in Butte, Montana. And uh, this little town, you're right. If the walls could speak, I'm sure there'd be stories we uh, probably could make movies about. But they redid this little bar called Donovan's and and uh, it had fabulous uh, steaks. <laughs> But uh, I, don't, I don't think you had a steak there, but that's all right. We won't, we won't make fun of you. When, when you come to Montana, we loved having you. And that was at the uh, Fairmont Hot Springs, just right outside of uh, between Anaconda, Montana and, and Butte, America. So, yeah, um, well, definitely I uh, am in a new position. This is probably the most challenging job I've ever had in my life is, is being a, a superintendent. I keep uh, questioning why I got into it right as the pandemic hit. It's kind of interesting. I I uh, signed my um, contract like, uh, I don't know, March 3rd, March 6th of, of uh, 2020. And, uh, it's, you know, schools started closing down across the nation that next week. And uh, I wondered, wow, what did I just do? Um, and, and it's tough going from being a principal to, to being a superintendent because I absolutely loved being, being a principal. And one of the things that I tried to do as a principal was not be the typical principal. And... Uh, um, I tried with that same concept, uh, I still am, I hope, uh, of doing that as a superintendent and uh, trying to get out into um, classrooms and get into, uh, you know, talking with kids and being around uh, teachers and being in the schools. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we think of a superintendent just, you know, is at that central office or wherever they're at and they're working behind their computer all the time. And uh, I really felt like, um, man, if I'm going to be a superintendent, I'm going to do it my way, and, and I got to get out and into the classroom so I can speak to stuff. And so um, I know I've made some pretty great connections. Pretty proud of the staff that I have here in uh, Corvallis, uh, Montana. Uh, our admin team and our teachers are, are fabulous. And so kind of a hidden gem. Um, 
knowing that you're from California, we have had a ton of Californians moving into our area. Uh, our valley has been growing quite a bit. It's called Bitter Valley, and uh, we've had many uh, Californians moving into to our area during COVID. Our housing market has just blown up, so it's really difficult to find homes uh, around here. But I moved here from central Montana. I lived in uh, Great Falls, Montana. I grew up in uh, Fort Benton, Montana, which was as far as the steamboats would come up from Missouri from St. Louis uh, way back, uh, right along that Lewis and Clark Trail. So tons of history. I love all that history in, in, in Montana. Uh, grew up in a small little town of 1,200 people. My mom was a teacher and my dad was a business owner. And and um, I know my parents thought about what I was going to do when I grew up. And um, I chose education and uh, took me student teaching in Alaska and um, came back after student teaching and, and taught all over uh, Montana in, in elementary schools from second grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. Uh, I was a K-12 principal in a small little school with an athletic director and then uh, a principal in a large school district uh, in Montana and Great Falls. And finally, here I am, uh, superintendent in, in Corvallis. I remember when we were hanging out in Anaconda. Now I remember the name of that, of that great little town. I remember you telling me that you were interviewing for superintendent jobs or a job. I remember you saying that. I was like, oh man, keep me posted. Keep me posted. And we exchanged cell phone numbers and stuff. And I remember you texting me that, you know, you got the job. And I have to be honest, I started to shiver when you said Californians have been moving to this part of Montana. I know all across the country, there are bumper stickers, Californians go home, go back to California, you know, for many mm -hmm. different reasons, people have their different reasons. But I think one of the one of the biggest ones that just, you know, they, they skyrocket uh, real estate prices. So uh, I'm not moving to Montana, I will come visit, I will spend money, I will okay. stay in hotels and do that. And then I will I will come back to uh, to California. John, every time I talk to you, I feel like you're such a renaissance man. I learn like 15 new things that make me go, what? Like, I didn't know that. Like you student taught in Alaska. How amazing is that? You've written a children's book, Benjamin's Visit to Principal Reed's Office. I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's an awesome children's book that John wrote a couple of years ago. Uh, I, just, I just love talking. But my first question, what would you say, and this kind of goes back to your mom and dad talking or arguing or trying to figure out what young John was going to do with his life. Now let's, let's take that to people that are starting that journey. What would you say to a group of 100 college freshmen on why they should become a teacher right now in 2022? You know, I'll, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going I'm to change it a little bit because um, I've had some staff not not at the school per se where I'm at, but I've had some teachers tell me that they don't want their kids to go into education and they're teachers. And that, oh, just pulls on your heartstrings. Um, I just think we need to be advocating for education as much as possible. We have such a shortage coming up here in, in the next decade of, of people going into education. Um, obviously, you're not doing it for a big salary. You can go out and do many other jobs for, uh, for more money than teaching. But I don't know if there's any job out there that's more rewarding. Um, and, and I thought teaching was rewarding. You know what's more rewarding than that? Being a principal. Holy cow. You get to be with all the kids um, and you have such a bigger impact than you do as, as being um, a, a, a teacher. Um, so, you know, recently here I had um, 
when I was in a little town called Power, Montana, I was their, I was their K-12 principal. And I had, I had two, two kids uh, that were constantly visiting me all the time in my office. They kept getting in trouble all the time and I kept having to be with them. And, and um, it was quite comical here recently. Uh, both of them um, have moved into administrative jobs in a, in a, in a principal um, position. Um, and I sent uh, a message to one of those guys. Uh, I said, well, I'm glad all the time you spent with me is paid off. And uh, it's kind of funny because I had that same thing said to me, my high school principal, uh, after he uh, found out that I got a, a job as a, as a principal um, in Power, Montana, had sent me a postcard that says, same thing. I'm glad all the time you spent with me paid off. And so we got to pay it forward. We got to get those, um, those college kids, as you talked about in your question, uh, connected. And I think getting them into schools and seeing how much um, joy it is just to be around kids is, is exciting. Um, and unfortunately, right now, there's just an attack, I think, so much on, on education, and especially public education right now. I feel that um, we have to uh, flip that script. I mean, uh, that's, that's going to be my mantra. If I could write a book about how to flip that script and get other people involved, I think it'd be a great um, book because uh, I think more people need to choose education. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. My wife and I talk about that a lot, actually, because I have two kids, uh, 11 and nine. And my dad, like your mom, my dad taught second grade for 35 years. So I grew up in that education kind of household. And we have those conversations about my wife works in medicine. I'm in education. You know, what we want our kids to to get into uh, the profession of education. And uh, it's an interesting time. I mean, you know, things ebb and flow. This too shall pass. Um, I know that. Um, in, in my last book, Teachers Deserve It, uh, my co-author and I, Ray Hewitt, we, you know, I talk about people say, you know, don't get into education for the money. And I feel like, why not? I mean, I, teachers should be making $90,000 because why not get into it for the education or for the money? And then you also get into it because you get to have an amazing job and impact kids. And it's, it's a great lifestyle. I mean, with the time off during the, during the year, you know, um, it's, it's so fun and rewarding. We definitely need to, as you said, flip the script. Um, and then you said, why not get into principaling? And that's my next question. What would you say to a group of 100 teachers on why they should get into administration? Oh, man, just that impact. I think that was probably my biggest eye opener when I jumped from um, a, a teacher to a principal is the fact that I don't have just one classroom of 20, 25 kids. Now I have like in my small little school in Power, Montana, I had 215 K-12. And then um, when I got into my uh, bigger school district in Great Falls, Montana, um, then I was up to like 430 kids. And so just that impact uh, and all the stories that go with it, um, it's just so much more powerful and, and rewarding to create those relationships with, uh, with, with kids. Yeah, I think, so I, think I, many I, I would tell those teachers, that's what you need to do. You need to have that impact and create relationships with as many kids as you can. Yeah, I think, I think and here's another flip the script. Um, maybe this, maybe by the end of this podcast, John, we're going to have a book uh, outlined, <laughs> flip the script, because here's another flip the, flip the script that we need to talk about is when I, when I meet somebody, when I was a principal or a director, or just in the work that I do, you know, I meet thousands of people every year across the country. I'll say, Hey, you should get into administration. And they go, Oh, but I would miss the kids. Like, 
current principles, flip the script. When you become the principal, you get to do whatever you want and you get to go into every single classroom every single day. And as much as you want, you get to see actually all the kids, not just your 20 or 30, or if you're a high school teacher, 120, talk about flipping the script. I got to get to know everybody on a, on a different level. I mean, I was, yes, you're the principal, but I was still a leader. I was still a teacher. I just had, I had all the students and not just, not just my students. And I think that's a really huge flip the script. It tells me that not enough principals are, and I know right now is a different time with everything that we have going on with the pandemic still still happening um, and schools closing because they don't have the teachers because teachers are sick. So I know that's different. Um, but, you know, once we are out of this, please, principals that are listening, get into those classrooms as much as you can. Superintendents, you know, every single day, you know, you have to be doing that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here's a, and I'll take time for a, a quick like three minute story. And it, it kind of goes with this um, lanyard that I have on right now. And uh, I was doing one of my first interviews on uh, the local ABC channel by the um, uh, out of Missoula. They were down here uh, to interview me. And uh, I had an employee that works with me and um, consultant. And uh, she asked me to, to take off this lanyard and put on a, put on a Corvallis school lanyard, which I love, absolutely love Corvallis. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not taking, I'm not taking this off. There's a story behind this. And, you know, it, it is, it is one of the most powerful stories I think I have. And I don't think I'm ever going to take it off. It just, uh, from a, from a student that I helped support as a principal in my last school. And, um, he, um, he and his mom um, had been through a lot. His, his dad, um, unfortunately, uh, was, uh, was murdered. And, um, and man, when she made this for me um, and gave this to me, uh, she talked about that the colors that's um, from the Blackfeet um, Indian Reservation, uh, that's where her heritage is from, and uh, it means fire. And... Um, it's kind of funny. I was asking, does that mean I'm on fire or is that, do I literally, tell me more about that. And the little guy said, Mr. Cohen, you're always on fire, like meaning I'm, I'm on it all the time. And um, holy cow, what a, what a powerful story. But, you know, I don't, I might've got that as his, as his teacher, you know, if I had him in my class, but as a principal, man, you get to connect with all those kids. And I think that's what would sell it, I think, to, to teachers. Yeah, and I would also, I would, yeah, that, that's a great story, John. Thanks, you, thanks for sharing that. Um, and I think it's just a great reminder about the impact. Hey, college freshmen, the impact that you are going to make on so many people's lives for so many years. And you know, I didn't realize this until after I became a principal for a number of years. As a teacher, yeah, you build relationships. And yes, you get to teach kids grammar and fractions and biology concepts. But at that next level of being a principal, you get to connect with kids on a different level. You're not helping them so much with their fractions or with their grammar. You're helping them on kind of like what you're talking about on some bigger things that are happening because that's the job of, of administration and school leadership. Um, John, who's the first person to really believe in you and see your opportunity as a school leader? As a school leader? Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a great, that is a great question there. Um, I guess I'd have to go back to a, a principle that I had. Um, my, my, uh, 
moved back here from Alaska, I moved to Lakeside, Montana. It's right on Flathead Lake. And um, it was in a beautiful school. I over my classroom overlooked the lake. It was, it was fabulous. Um, but you're only making $19,100 living on um, <laughs> an expensive resort area lake. And you got to do a lot of other gigs to, to be able to live there. And uh, the principal at that time, his name's John Thies, um, uh, connected with me um, and, you know, kept asking me, um, you know, I only have a couple years left. You need to think about this gig. And at the time, man, I was, I was pretty young. In fact, I started my getting my administrative degree uh, after my um, third year of, of being a teacher. And so um, had it by my fifth year of, of being a teacher, but it was, it was him who asked those questions and he modeled for me how to, how to treat kids and how to, how to treat um, your staff. So I think he is probably the, the biggest um, influencer, I think, into getting into school leadership. Yeah, I love I love thinking about those people that really kind of helped us. And I still can't get over that you made $19,000 as a teacher. I mean, you're not we're about the same age. So I, I know Montana is different, uh, different than California. But man, 19 grand. What, what year was that? 1998. 1998. All right. I was a I was a freshman in college. So you're just a few years older than me. But uh Wow. Hopefully salaries have, uh, have come up. John, who are you learning from and connecting with right now? I know you have a lot of irons in the fire. So uh, shout out some people that you're learning and connecting from right now. Oh, definitely. Um, well, I'll start out with, with, with a group, I guess, that it has kind of inspired me to, to keep up with all the time is just that principal's principal group on Facebook. And so there's 57,000 people on there. And uh, man, there's just so many people that have amazing stories on there. After you uh, see a post, uh, I'm not one of those people that's afraid to like send an instant message and not on the thread and say, hey, I love what you said. Tell me more about it. Tell me your story kind of deal. And, and so those are the things that I think that kind of excite me. So some of the people that I'm talking with aren't, aren't people that are, are mainstream um, that, that I'm really learning a lot from. This girl um, yesterday, um, uh, her name is Shana Schultz, and uh, she put this um, little post on uh, in that principal's principal Facebook group that said that talked about uh, how she's creating stress by sending emails out after five o'clock at night. Her staff is getting uh, a stress because they see emails all throughout the night and through the weekend. And what's so important that she has to send stuff out? And so she found this option this um, in in her Outlook email that talked about um, scheduling, uh, schedule send, and you can schedule when you, when those emails go out to, to go out on Monday. So she can get her work done all throughout the weekend and hit schedule send. And so that led us into this whole big article that, that uh, I wrote this weekend and, and got her involved in it. I, I let her write some of, of the article about how we are constantly having to prioritize like the inbox activity all the time like what are we doing every day during the day so we can get our job done because for most of us we answer email outside of the eight to five day right most of our email um and i, I can see how that would stress other people out that we're still working sending stuff out and creating stress when someone goes home and all of a sudden an email pops up and um so it brought this great conversation so she, she's she's one of them i just i had to give a shout out to just because i just worked with her this weekend i just met her just met her yesterday and awesome. uh, I, I i learned something from her. Um, but let's, let's go up higher. Um, and last year during the pandemic, um, two years ago, sorry, during the pandemic, uh, my school was doing this, uh, 
warrior. Um, every morning we talk about a, uh, oh man, I forgot the name of it. It goes with John Gordon's stuff on um, celebrating warriors, right? Who are those warriors out in your life that are doing stuff? Um, I'm a huge John Gordon fan. So every day we were doing, uh, I was having kids at home find something to be positive about, about how they're a warrior at home. And so we kept posting those, kept posting those, kept posting those. And somehow it got to John Gordon and John Gordon made us a video for our school that we got to put on our on our, on our Facebook page. It's, it's still there on, on, on our Lincoln Elementary Facebook page. And so... I've listened to every single thing of, uh, well, almost every single thing of, of, of John Gordon's. I probably have, you know, seven or eight of his books. And um, man, I love the, the coffee bean story. There's so many different pieces uh, that, that can go with that. And then um, uh, Brene Brown, I think right before I did my interview for this job, um, I went through, you know, probably four of her books uh, that, that she has written and, and, man, um, I love a lot of that um, Daring Greatly stuff and, and leadership uh, pieces. Uh, I think that's really helped me understand um, why I am where I'm at. And um, then on top of it, I've done a lot of research with servant leadership. Um, uh, different people have been talking about that. And then um, uh, let's go with some more recent stuff. So, man, uh, Andy Jacks, I can't, I can't, he and I were both at the National Distinguished Principal Conference in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago, same, same class that went through and uh, we started talking and some of his story was the same as mine. Like he got in trouble as a kid in school. I got in trouble, right? I've been suspended from school a couple of different times and he'd been in trouble. And we talked about our experience about how we want to do it differently as a, as a principal, as an admin, how to connect with kids. And his latest book, uh, Discipline Win, um, man, yeah, yeah, I got it over here too. That is great. I, I reread it for a second time um, this last week when I, when I went on a little trip. And uh, I didn't realize how much uh, he and I have some of the same um, we must have had some of the same professional development, some of the same books we've read, some of the same experiences, and we're on two different sides of the United States. So to me, that is amazing that someone else has some of those same experiences that I have, and I'm in rural Montana, and he's in Virginia? Is that where he's at? Or? Virginia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, man, uh, what other books? Um, uh, recent, I... Um, Obviously, yours with the teachers deserve it uh, and kids deserve it. Those are those are ones I'm pushing out all the time. Um, so while my, you're thinking, uh, principal, principal Stephanie McConnell, who's the who's the person behind that, she was episode mm -hmm. 101 of this podcast. If you want to hear more from Stephanie, Andy Jacks, uh, principal, author of Discipline Win, episode 89 of the podcast. So I love it when those when those converge people that they're learning from. Um, that they've been on the podcast. So people that are listening, they can go get more from those. Hey, um, just to, just to kind of dovetail a little bit, John, I want to talk about sustainable leadership. How, how do we achieve that? You know, we can't be working all the time. Uh, that can't be the expectation, in my opinion. Talking about the article that you wrote this weekend, uh, sending emails you know, after five or all, all, all the time. Um, how, and I, I've, I've had this thought in my brain forever, um, you know, I talk about it. I talk about leaving at four o'clock, you know, four thirty, whatever that time is, um, because it's gotta be, it's gotta be sustainable. 
What are your thoughts on that? What are some, what are some ideas that you could share with the listeners on how to be a sustainable leader? Sure. Um, and it kind of hits right in the article I just read, uh, wrote this weekend. Uh, the two main philosophies I think that I have centered my whole career around, um, it's called high trust psychology, high trust philosophy. Um, this guy actually based out of Santa Barbara, California. And uh, he, back in the 70s, worked with Dr. Bill Glasser and, uh, on, on the choice theory and, um, and how he developed this um, philosophy and how you treat people and how you treat kids uh, has driven me. And it is, it is the core of how I not only deal with my staff and uh, my students, but also how I deal with life. And when those type of educational philosophies can carry over outside of the walls of your school, um, man, they are unbelievable. Now, you're never going to hear about it unless you go see him because he does not believe in anything that's written down. He believes as soon as it's written down, it's misinterpreted. And I'm like, you are correct because hard to pick up a book, man. We can pick up stuff now from 20 years ago and we can fight and say, you know what? It's no longer the, the, uh, the truth. I mean, you, you've seen all this stuff with... Um, uh, what what is it lately? Uh, not Bloom's taxonomy, but no, is it Maslow where they've been talking about the pieces? No, the uh, no Bloom's taxonomy. They've been talking recently in the last couple of years here about how that needs how that needs to change. And so um, with this concept of high trust, you're not going to see very much written down about it. He's got a website. Um, his name is Danny McLaughlin, and uh, he has. Uh, been in all your top conferences though i mean back in the 80s and he's still presenting now um i've probably been to his conference maybe eight or nine times and um it is it is 30 hours i mean it is, it is a full week of professional development so easily over 200 hours of, of of working with this um working with this guy and this concept so a couple of schools outside of um phoenix arizona that have taken his concept and the whole schools ran under that philosophy. I've always wanted to get to that level of, of doing it. Um, in my last school, I felt we were, we were right there. I mean, we used to have him come to our school and provide professional development for, for everyone else. Um, so that's one. The other, other piece is, is uh, Robert Rosenleaf's um, servant leadership. I mean, that's way back from the 1970. People have been starting to talk more about servant leadership and what that looks like in, in education over the last decade or so. Uh, but it's been around since 1970. Not many people understand that it's been there. Um, and I totally believe in how we can empower other people. One of the weirdest things I think some of my admin told me this year is that uh, I told them, you got to build someone up to take your job. Like find someone that, that has leadership capacity and start empowering them. Get them ready to take over your job. The more you can do that, the more you're going to also help take off your plate and you're helping build a district or a school system that is full of leaders. And I think that's what we want. We want more leaders within our district. And so I think that as a principle, I'd be working with teachers, like finding those teachers that have that leadership capacity and planting those seeds and then giving them opportunities to shine, finding different areas that they're there that they can um, communicate with. And so I think when our original uh, question a little while ago is how do we sustain that, that leadership? Um, for me, it comes back to those two philosophies, that servant leadership piece, and then what I drive my core purpose on in life is building high trust relationships. Yeah, relationships, uh, relationships, relationships, those, uh, those always come first. Hey, speaking of books, you're writing a book, 
uh, with Travis Niemeyer, who was on episode five of the podcast. That's three people now that have, uh, that we've talked about it on the podcast. You're writing it for DBC, Dave Bridges Consulting. It's not out yet. Tell us about it. What can people expect when the, when the book drops, John? Yeah, and you know, and we're still in that infancy phase. When we, we've talked with Dave about it, uh, we got to get some chapters to him. Um, we're right there uh, with with trying to get that stuff rolling. So um, whether he goes forward with it or not, I guess it's totally up to him. But uh, uh, we have had those conversations with him, and um, it, it's about we call it the first five, and then it's a concept about uh, how strong your introductions and your relationships are uh, with people. So think of the first five words, the first five minutes, the first five actions that you do in education all the time. Um, those are the most important and impactful moments when you meet somebody, when you start a staff meeting, the first five days of school, the first five minutes of school, what are you saying to your, to your kids? And it's helping to um, script that out and give examples of all the things that we've done. Um, ultimately, it comes back to building culture and relationships, right? Um, but we feel like uh, we have all these examples and uh, things that we've done over the years in our careers that uh, kind of speak to that uh, concept of how important starting something is, uh, starting off um, all those different pieces of, of education. Yeah, no, I love that. So sorry, I misspoke. Dave, if you're listening, you should really publish John and Travis because they're amazing individuals. They're both national distinguished principals from Montana and, uh, and they just do great work. Uh, John, part of this podcast is amplifying the voices of my guests. I'm just going to pass the microphone over to you. What would you like to say to all the educators and school leaders and superintendents that listen to this podcast? Definitely. One of the big things I've taken on, um, man, probably over the last decade, I guess, and it, my voice seems to be getting louder and louder because I feel like I need to be louder, um, is the advocacy for, for public education. And uh, I feel, especially during the pandemic, that it's definitely taken a hit. And um, one of the big um, themes of our current school district, uh, we call it, is increasing the volume and increasing that volume of, of what's going right in public schools. What are all the things that are, that are going on in classrooms? It's not because you have a big, huge project or celebration going on. It's a little things. It's like, how is this kid learning today? Let's, let's document it. Let's, let's tell people about it because um, public education, um, I'm sure, you know, charter schools and private schools and uh, homeschool can, can possibly do some of the same things. But I tell you what, from my experience and watching, um, man, public school educators, are unbelievable at, at creating those um, everyday moments so students can learn. And if we can increase the volume, all of us, like, like I'm trying to tell staff, it's not just me celebrating. It should be every single employee that we have um, celebrating the great things that are going on in public education. If we could increase that volume, man, I don't think we'd be in the, in the serious state of where we're at. And you know, there's some schools out there that are doing well. That, that know how to do it with social media, that know how to bring people in, that know how to talk about it. Those are the schools that are going to sustain through all of this turmoil because the turmoil is not ending. It's going to continue, especially in public education. And we have to figure out ways and how we're communicating what we're doing every day. And I know a lot of people talk about it, 
but man, you got to show it in your actions too. Like, what are you actually doing? Can you document those great things going on in your school every day? Yeah, no, I love it. John, I can't wait to hang out in person again in some small Montana town uh, with a cool restaurant that's got a lot of history that serves a lot of steak. I'll eat a baked potato because I don't eat meat, but uh, we'll be with good people. Maybe we can go fishing. Last time I was there, I was supposed to go fishing and it just didn't, uh, it didn't work out. But uh, John, it's always great to talk with you. I know you got a podcast starting soon uh, at your school in your district, which will be exciting to, uh, to promote. And um, maybe in a year, we can have you back on and some of your students to talk about that process, because uh, I'm just trying to encourage everybody that I know that has something to say to, uh, to start a podcast because it's such a fun and easy way to, uh, to get a message out there. John Conan, my friend, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for all you do. Everybody listening, thanks for all you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day. Thank you, Adam. It's been great. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? If you're still here, thanks for listening to that awesome episode with John Conan. He's just an awesome guy and uh, just a wonderful educator doing great work for kids. Hey, if you want to help support the podcast, I have four books. Kids Deserve It, Run Like a Pirate, Empower Our Girls, and Teachers Deserve It. You can get them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Just go to Amazon, type in Adam Welcome, and all of my books are there. Would appreciate the support if you haven't read one of the books, or if you or your organization or your school or your conference is looking for some professional development, that's what I do full-time, over 300 events in five years, keynotes, workshops, leadership at tech conferences, you name it, just reach out directly, Welcome at gmail.com or mradamwelcome.com backslash speaking. I would love to connect with you for your event. Thanks again for listening and have an amazing day.